This episode is sponsored by ByHeart. And I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in. And all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort, and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. Amwar makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Amwar, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for new-to-use styles. Now, I mentioned on the podcast recently that I have been pregnant or breastfeeding for four and a half years, and that season of my life came to a close recently, and I was like, I forgot I can wear normal clothes again that don't need to be breastfeeding friendly or constantly changing in sizes with a postpartum body. And so now I'm left with trying to figure out, well, what do I wear? What is my style? I can't even remember. And styles have changed so much in the last few years. And so I've been having fun experimenting with different types of clothing. And I love that Amoir has allowed me to try some different styles of jeans and kind of step outside my comfort zone and figure out what I love, what works for my body type, and to not have spent money on things that I was like, "Mm, actually, this doesn't work after I wore it a few times and realized I don't really like it. And so it's been a great opportunity for me to try out some new things and help me to define my personal style. And I also love that the style quiz, the different suggestions that they gave after I took the style quiz, it was right in line with what I would want to wear. And so I have just loved this service and I would love for you to get to try it out and get a great deal. Right now, my listeners can give Amoir a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit amoir.style forward slash crystal. That is amoir.style 
A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash crystal to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Amoir today. Welcome to the Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Now, let's get a cup of tea and spend a few minutes together. Here's your host, wife, mother of three, and entrepreneur, Crystal Payne. It's another episode of The Crystal Payne Show. Welcome. I've got a question for you. Do you like small talk? I'm referring to the kind of conversation here where you just stand around talking about the weather or food or other types of surfacey things like that. You see, I found this quote on Instagram that I posted recently. It said, I'd rather have one small weird moment of connection than hours of polite conversation. This is me to a T. As an Enneagram 8 INTJ, I admit that surfacy conversation and shooting the breeze just drives me batty. And I wish I wasn't like that, but I like to go deep to ask heart questions and get to meaty conversations really quickly with people. Sometimes I wish I could be the person who was just fine to hang out and make small talk, but then I realize that it's okay to embrace how God has created me, even if I know my intense questions can sometimes scare people. But I've learned that most people actually appreciate it. They love to be heard and listened to. They love to have someone look into their eyes and ask them how they're really doing, and then someone to actually listen to their answer and follow up with questions. I found it fascinating, though, when I shared this on Instagram, that some people said they really enjoy small talk, and some people said that they were uncomfortable with sharing anything more than small talk with people they don't know really well. So I'd love to ask you, what about you? Leave a comment on my Instagram post, we'll link it in the show notes, or send me an email. Tell me, do you like small talk? Why or why not? Well, speaking of small talk or not so small talk, I've got a lot to share with you today. We'll be discussing on the show kids and cell phones, which is kind of a hot topic of conversation. I'm going to tell you about a menu planning service that I absolutely love. We'll talk about a book on hormones that I recently read and found intriguing and insightful. Plus, I'm incredibly excited to be interviewing an author whose books on mothering have powerfully impacted my life. And then we'll close out the show by talking about clutter. So there's a question that I've been asked over and over again in the last year, and it's this one. Do your kids have cell phones? Since this is such a much-asked question, I thought I'd share a little bit of our thoughts and journey and what we're learning in the next few episodes. First off, I need to say that I think this is such a personal thing, and it really depends upon the family and the individual child. So I'm just sharing what our family has decided to do with our firstborn daughter, Catherine, who is 13 and a half. We decided for our family, the mantra would be that you can get a phone when you are at least 12 years old and are mature enough to have a phone. And mom and dad get to decide what mature enough is. We have dibs on what that definition is. Next week, I'll tell you more about why we made that decision and why we ended up getting Catherine a phone when she was 12. 
But for today, I wanted to let you know that I'm so excited that this episode is sponsored by Twigby. They are a company dedicated to providing fantastic phone service at great prices. If you are looking for a great deal on a phone, either for yourself or your child, I'd highly recommend checking out what Twigby has to offer. I posted about them on my blog, moneysavingmom.com, a while back, and so many families have told me that they signed up based upon my recommendation and have been so pleased. Unlike traditional cell phone companies, Twigby gives you the ability to create your own custom prepaid plan without a contract or an unnecessary activation fee. You don't have to mess with going to a store and picking out a phone plan. You just go to their site, Pick your phone plan and either switch your current phone over or get a new phone, and they set it all up for you. My favorite part about their service, in addition to their great prices, of course, is that they offer plan flexibility with the ability to change plans or phones at any time for free. You're not locked into an expensive contract that has activation and termination fees. They also offer free overage protection, so you can rest easy in knowing that you will never be charged for overages without your go-ahead. You have complete control. I'll tell you more about them next episode, but for now, if you want to check them out, you can go to twigby.net forward slash tween to learn more and save 25% off your first six months. That's twigby.net, T-W-I-G-B-Y dot net forward slash tween. T-W-E-E-N. And of course, we'll have a link to Twigby in the show notes. Thank you to Twigby for their support of this podcast. If you're new around here, it's time for the What's Saving My Life segment. That part of the show where I tell you about a productivity tip or life hack, an app, an idea I'm implementing, something I've changed in my life that has made a big difference. You get the idea. This week, I have to tell you about the Eat at Home menu planning service. Y'all, this is the best thing ever if you are struggling to make menu plans and get dinner on the table. Unlike a lot of other menu plan services, the meals are simple to make, very yummy, and when you sign up, you get access to four different complete menu plans every single week. Yes, You don't have to pick one. You get access to a no flour, no sugar menu plan, a traditional menu plan, a traditional wholesome menu plan, which is more whole foods based. And my very favorite is the slow cooker menu plan. We've used the slow cooker menu plan quite a lot and it's perfect for busy weeks. Most of the recipes can be made in five to 10 minutes or less and you just pop them into your crock pot in the morning and then dinner is done. You get six dinners plus a dessert with each menu plan. And like I said, you get access to all four menu plans each week. So that's 24 different recipes every single week. Plus, you get a color-coded grocery list for each menu plan, and you can choose between large family or small family. This menu plan service gives you so much, and it's only a few dollars per week. I'll be sure to put a link in the show notes for it. Each week, I always tell you about a book I'm reading because I love reading. And this week, I want to talk about The Hormone Reset Diet. I actually saw this audiobook on the Libby app, and it intrigued me, so I ended up listening to it, and I found it really interesting. Now, let me say, I didn't agree with all of it. The author is pretty anti-grains, and I like my bread, and I find that grains actually make me feel so much better. 
But so many of her thoughts were really insightful. And I actually felt really encouraged by it to realize how healthy I feel most of the time and that I'm not experiencing most of the signs of hormone issues that she mentions in the book. If you're struggling to lose weight or you feel like you're often lethargic or that something is just off, I think you would find this book and the research in it to be very valuable. I especially love how she helps you to be able to sort of self-diagnose areas where your hormones may be out of whack, and she gives you very specific ideas of ways you can change your diet and lifestyle to help with this. So that's the Hormone Reset Diet, and we'll be sure to link it in the show notes. I can't begin to tell you how thrilled I am to be doing today's interview with my friend Jeannie Cunyon. Jeannie is an amazing mom to four boys. I feel like that right there qualifies her to speak on any topic of parenting. <laughs> In fact, my husband and I were just saying last night, we can't imagine having more than one boy. So my hat's <laughs> off to you, Jeannie. <laughs> but anyway, Jeannie has written two books on mothering and parenting that have deeply impacted me in my mothering journey. And her books are titled Parenting the Wholehearted Child and Mom Set Free. And I've recommended these books over and over and over again. And I would say that if you only read two books on parenting, please read these two. So welcome to the show, Jeannie. Crystal, thank you so much for having me. You are so welcome. I've been super excited about this. And you are actually the person that people have requested over and over that you would come on the show. So, but you were oh, already on, you were already on my top five list anyway. But thank, thank you for making you. this happen. Oh, this is awesome. So I talk to so many moms who are really overwhelmed with the huge responsibility of raising their kids. And I'd love to hear from you what advice or encouragement you have for that mom who just feels like she's failing. She's making too many mistakes and she's just not enough as a mom. Mm. Well, I would say I get it. (laughs) And I would say that you're not alone. I think you'd be pressed to find any mom, if she's going to be really honest, who doesn't experience those feelings or those emotions. Um, And I think the one you really talked about just now is that one of feeling like we're not enough. Mm -hmm. Now, there's this constant messaging that we are supposed to be enough, that we're supposed to get it all right and do it all right, and that our children's futures are entirely dependent on our ability to perfectly orchestrate their lives. And I think every mom feels that to some degree. And so I would just encourage that mom who's feeling that way to do what I do, and I know what you do, Crystal, is to run back to the truth. When those lies creep in, that we've made too many mistakes, that grace has run out on us, that we're not enough to run back to the truth of God's word for the freedom that our hearts crave. Because it's a very familiar feeling for moms. But the truth is, if we look at scripture, nowhere and and literally nowhere do we see Jesus ever saying, hey, Crystal, I'm going to need you to be enough for your kids. Mm, Yeah. Nowhere does Jesus say, Jeannie, I'm going to need you to be enough. He says over and over again, I am enough. And your weakness, my power is made perfect in your weakness. And so I think the the truth of God's word is really where we're going to find the freedom that our hearts crave when we feel like we've made too many mistakes or that we're failing as a mom. Are there specific phrases or verses that, you know, you're like, these are my top three that I just kind of go back to over and over again? Well, of course, I think so often I go back to my grace is made perfect in your weakness. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. My grace is enough for you. Mm -hmm. Um, And grace can feel like a big word and it's hard to kind of put our finger on it sometimes. But ultimately, I think what God is inviting us to do as moms is to remember two things, his sovereignty 
and his grace. Mm. And if we can remember his sovereignty, which is essentially he is all powerful and all knowing and good. And if we can remember his grace, which means that we are always forgiven and welcomed and that he can work through our weakness, then we can begin to parent in a new confidence. We lack confidence as moms because we know we are human and we make mistakes. And and I think one of the one of the things that I always have to remind myself of is that parenting is not about God relying on me to get it all right. Wow, yeah, that's so good. <laughs> right? But parenting is about us relying on God to get it all right despite yes. all of our mistakes. Do we believe him? Do we believe that he can really work through our weakness so that, you know, we don't need the glory as moms. So much of our mistakes and mess-ups can um, lead us back to his mercy where he receives the glory for just being the good and faithful God that he is. That's so good. And those themes are throughout both of your books. And that's for me, I feel like I'm reading the books and it's just like, I can take this deep breath that I don't have to feel like I'm carrying it all on my own. And there's so much freedom and joy in that to just live in that space of, I can rely upon him. He's not expecting me to get it all right. Yeah. So the tagline for your book, Mom Set Free, which I love is find relief from the pressure to get it all right. Just like we were talking about. And I feel like so many moms, you know, it's that they want to be enough, but they also want to do it all right. They want to make sure that they have the, you know, right system, the right chore chart, that they're feeding their kids the right food and that they have the right bedtime and that they're in the right school and that they're doing the right extracurricular activities. And I feel like that there's a lot of moms listening right now who probably feel frustrated or cynical with the whole idea of having relief from that pressure of getting it all right, because they're like, no, I have to do it right. Yeah. But, but at the same time, they want to be able to just enjoy being a mom. Yes. And so can you just speak to that woman right now who feels like she's doing it all wrong? She's messed up. She can't undo the damage or her kid has gone off the deep end and there's just no hope. Or she just feels like she's not cut out to be a mom. Yeah. I mean, I think the pressure to get it all right is another way of saying we feel the pressure to be perfect. Mm -hmm. And one of the things, again, that I have to constantly remind myself of is that my kids, they actually don't need me to be perfect. Mm. And I extend a beautiful invitation to them to be honest about their humanity and their imperfection when I'm willing to let them see mine, when I'm willing to let them see my need for Jesus and my need for grace. And the truth is, despite what our culture can tell us or just the pressure we put on ourselves, our children do not need us to be perfect. They do not need us to be the perfection of Christ. What they need us to do is to point them to the person of Jesus. And they need to see us in pursuit of Christ. I mean, no greater gift do we give our kids than letting them see us in pursuit of Jesus, enjoying His love, receiving His mercy, and pointing them to His perfection, right? Because our mistakes are always an invitation. Our mess-ups and our imperfection are always an invitation to point our children to their perfect Father. He is the only one who has never and will never let them down. And there is real freedom and there is real relief if our hearts are willing to surrender to our need to play God's role in our kids' lives. Mm. And I want to encourage us because oftentimes we we feel guilty about our desire to be perfect. But so often that, it, you know, sometimes it's rooted in the wrong things. But 
we love them so much, you know, like we, yes. we just want to get it right for them. I, I want to do right by my four boys because I love them and I want to set them up for success. But I have to remember that as significant as I am in my kids' lives, as important as a role of I, as I play in their lives, God is sovereign. God is so sovereign over the things that I get wrong and the things that I don't do right. And uh, what's the passage in scripture, Crystal, it talks about, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. Mm, That's so good. And that's kind of my mantra so often in motherhood, you know, like, Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you and I'm just going to pursue you and uh, trust you with the children you've entrusted to me. I mean, I'll tell you, I woke up at around 2.30 in the morning last night, ironically, right before this chat with you. And my mind was just spinning about all of the worries I have about one of my boys right now. Mm trying to figure out who was going to call today and what forms I was going to fill out and how I was going to fix things. And I mean, I heard the Holy Spirit so clearly, not as an audible voice, but just again, the simple invitation. And what he said to me was, Jeannie, do you trust me? Mm. Do you trust me? Do you trust me with the children I have entrusted to you? And <laughs> I said, I do, Jesus. I do. I trust you. I will. I, I return to trusting you again. Because I think this idea of freedom Crystal is something like, it's not a one and done. It's not like, oh, Jane, you know, I've been set free and now I just run in that freedom. I have to go back to the gospel and the good news over and over and over again. Mm, Yes. You know, one of the things I was just thinking as we're talking about this is that when we don't model perfection for our kids, that they see us make mistakes, they see us have to ask forgiveness, they see us not stressing about doing everything perfectly right, that it also frees them from the pressure of feeling like they have to get it all right. Because I think there's a lot of kids who are living under that and they're feeling really stressed that they want to do things right because they want to please their parents and they want to, you know, they don't want to get it wrong because that's what they've seen modeled. And so when we live in this freedom, it also gives freedom to our kids. Totally. And I think you're so good about that. The things that you post are always such a good reminder for me about that very thing. So I'm grateful for you and the way that you encourage me in my motherhood. And when we are living as a mom set free, we are empowered to raise kids set free because isn't that what we want to do? We want to raise kids set free from the pressure to get it all right. I mean, we've never seen a generation of kids who are more plagued by anxiety and depression and the pressure to get it all right. And they're defining themselves by their grades and their athleticism and their social media likes instead of having their identities anchored in being fully known and fully loved by God and fully forgiven by Him. So the more that we can live that out and are willing to say, I get it wrong too. Me too. I struggle too. I need Jesus too. Thank God for His grace. Mm -hmm. Then we we create a home of what I call confession, not perfection. Mm. We create a home where our kids are free to confess those things that they struggle with, those places that they have failed, and where they need us to come in and say, I get it too. You know, let's go to Jesus together. That's so good. One of the things you talk about in your books is how the gospel changes the way that we approach our parenting. And this is something I've really been learning how the gospel impacts every single area of our life and the freedom and the joy and just walking in that truth. And I'd love to hear from you just how the gospel has shaped your parenting and the freedom you found in Jesus through it. Yeah. One of the things that I'm really learning is that becoming a better mom, which we all want to become, and that's a good thing to desire, doesn't happen by trying harder to be better tomorrow. It happens by 
coming to know and believe the gospel more deeply for myself. I become a better mom as I more deeply believe the gospel is for me. And, you know, we can use that word, the gospel, and some people say, well, what does that even mean? Mm -hmm. Right. And so one of the ways I break down the gospel and mom set free as I describe it is it's the good news that when we believe in and rely on Jesus's perfect work on our behalf, we never have to fear our father's rejection. We can never outsin his grace and we can never lose his love. Mm-hmm. Because as a mom, if I have a bad day as a mom, which I have often, it's so easy to believe the lie that I'm a bad mom, like a bad day equals a bad mom. Mm-hmm. And deeper than that, I think a lot of Christian moms struggle with fearing that God is then mad at me or he is disappointed in me, right? And we carry around this guilt and this shame that we've not only let down our kids, but that we've also let down our heavenly father. Mm -hmm. And the good news is that Jesus cannot stop loving you and will never reject you as his daughter because of what has been done for us on the cross. And that does free us up to receive forgiveness and grace and then extend that to our kids. And there's just, there's so much power in that and understanding that. And those, the three words of it is finished for me, like what he did on the cross so that I don't have to strive more, be better, do more, work harder, try to be a better mom in my own strength, that I can just rest in his finished work on the cross for me. And that gives me freedom to just live out love and God's love to my kids. Amen. I mean, and you and I have actually talked about this together, how both of us spent so much of our life in that posture of striving, right? Mm -hmm. To earn God's love or to keep him happy and, and how much our lives have changed. And therefore our parenting has changed by knowing the way that Jesus welcomes us and embraces us just as we are. Mm -hmm. And yet his grace will not leave us there. His unconditional love will change us and will empower us to lead our kids in his love. Yes. Yes. It's such a beautiful place to be and to just continually remind ourselves of the truth so that we can stay there because we, we won't just stay there unless we remind ourselves of the truth over and over yeah, and over again. Over and over again. Okay. So let's transition to the questions that I ask all of my guests. And so I'd love to hear what you're reading right now. I am almost done with um, the book called Daring to Hope by mm-hmm. Katie Davis Majors. Have you read that? I have not read it, but it was <sighs> on my shelf. <laughs> oh, it's so good. I didn't read her first one, but I'm reading this one and I am thoroughly enjoying it. Um, I've got that one sitting next to my another book that's about to come out called Becoming Mrs. Lewis, which ironically my sister wrote. And it's the story of C.S. Lewis and Joy David Men meeting and falling in love. No way. Uh, okay. So okay. one of my friends, she is, we were just talking about the whole C.S. Lewis and his his wife and all of that. And she was just saying, I wish that I could know more of that story. So well, <laughs> here it is. It comes out in October. It's called Becoming Mrs. Lewis. And it is, I'm not saying this because it's my sister. It's She's gotten so many shout outs on it, but it is amazing. And you really, it gives you such a clear picture of Joy Davidman and C.S. Lewis and how they met and how they fell in love. And um, it's really, it's a really beautiful story. If you love C.S. Lewis, you can't not love this book. It's just phenomenal. That sounds amazing. And you have to go back and read Katie Davis's first book. I'm just going to say yes, that. You that's what to. I heard. And that's I'll read her second book. I really, I'm, I really want to read it. I'm excited. I'm kind of wishing it. I'd read the first one first, but that's okay. Cause now I want to know the backstory to how she got there. Yeah. Right? It can yeah. kind of give you a different perspective, you know? So yeah. 
She's amazing. She really, she's, her life is an invitation to love mm-hmm. others and to live that sacrificial life that Jesus has called us into. It's beautiful. Yes. Okay. And then what's saving your life right now? This could be a productivity hack or tip or an app or an idea you're implementing. Anything that is making your life better or easier or more enjoyable. Okay. So the honest answer is what's making my life better right now is naps. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I'm like, I wanted to come up with something so interesting and creative, but the first word that came into my mind was naps because Crystal, I'm so bad at rest. Mm -hmm. Like I'm a productivity freak and it's so good for me to nap and remember that I need rest and I am human and I'm such a better mom on those couple of days when I just give myself permission to close my eyes for 15 minutes and gear back up for that second half of the day that needs a lot from me with four boys between two and 14. That is amazing. And I have found that if I, even if I can't actually fall asleep, just laying in bed with the room dark, as dark as I can make it in the middle of the day, closing my eyes and just deep breathing. There's something about that that's just really restorative. Like a reset, right? Like even Mm -hmm. if you're a working mom and you can't, you know, if you work outside of the home and that's not a possibility, like just that reset, that moment, you know, like I need worship music, I need a clear head. And then I'm like, okay, I'm ready for the second half of the day because it's demanding, you know, mm-hmm. being it's, it's a lot and they need us to take care of ourselves. Yes. Okay. Well, that's so good. I love that. That's a, that's a great one. <laughs> good. good. <laughs> okay. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wealth of wisdom with us. I am just so grateful for you. And I just want to encourage Everyone who is listening, if you are struggling at all in your parenting or you just need some encouragement as a mom, you need to go get a copy of both of Jeannie's books, Parenting the Wholehearted Child and Mom Set Free. Thank you, Crystal. You're incredible. And I'm so grateful for you and your friendship. Speaking of parenting, I wanted to address the topic of kids and clutter today as our Q&A segment. Gina wrote in with this question. She says, I love how you simplify everything, and I feel inspired to learn more about how you keep clutter out of your home. For instance, what do you do with all of your kids' artwork? How do you explain to them what to get rid of? How do you encourage them to purge toys, clothes, stuffed animals, etc.? Well, Gina, this is a great question and one that I think we can all relate to. I found that keeping our home free of clutter saves us so much time and energy, and it feels much calmer, too. Here are some things I found to be helpful when it comes to kids and clutter. First off, you need to set boundaries. I'm a big believer in having a home for everything, you know, a place for everything and everything in its place. You have to start with the place for everything, meaning everything has a place for it to reside, be it a drawer, a cupboard, a basket, a tub, or a box. Not only does this help your house stay cleaner and more organized, but it allows you to place limits on what you have. For instance, when we lived in a little basement apartment when we were first married, we had almost zero room for toys. But we had Catherine, she was a toddler at that time, and so I designated one of the end tables in our living room that had a little door on it as the place where we would keep her toys. And my mantra was, if it didn't fit in there, we couldn't keep it, because otherwise we'd be stepping on it or stepping over it all day long. Nowadays, my kids are older, they're 13, 11, and 9, and... They don't have as many toys, but we still have a tub for Legos. We have a bin in the garage where they keep their outdoor toys, such as balls and bats. And we also have a shelf in a closet where we keep games and a few baskets in the kids' rooms for miscellaneous toys. 
For us, that's what works. And it really helps to have those boundaries set. And when the baskets or the bins or the tubs start overflowing, it's time to get rid of some things. And that leads me to point number two, only keep what you love. We love quality, versatile toys in our house. Things like Legos, art supplies, craft supplies, outdoor toys, and educational toys. We try to have toys that encourage creativity rather than solely entertain. And here's the thing we've discovered. Since the time my kids were little, they would much rather play with cardboard boxes or build tents with old sheets. They'd like to just use folding chairs and couch pillows and build a fort than have the latest and greatest gadgets and gizmos. The few bells and whistles toys we've had in the last couple of years served to entertain for a short while, and then we realized that they were usually abandoned for their Legos and puzzles and creative play. So one thing I found helpful is to go through our house regularly and get rid of things that we no longer love or use or need. Because truthfully, there's no point in keeping something around if no one likes it or uses it on a regular basis or part of it is broken or it's missing some parts. Thirdly, I encourage you to ask for consumable gifts or give your child consumable gifts. One of the biggest reasons parents have told me that they can't cut down on toy clutter is because of well-meaning and generous relatives and grandparents who are constantly gifting various things to their kids. First off, if this is the case for you, I just want to encourage you to remember that this is a blessing to have grandparents who want to give to and bless their grandchildren. Not all families have this, so be grateful for it instead of resenting it. Always remember that the relatives are likely buying things for your children because they love them. They aren't purposely seeking to annoy or irritate you or add clutter to your home. That said, I encourage you to graciously and lovingly communicate your preferences to your relatives. Perhaps they don't know you are short on space or really would love it if they could spend less money. Maybe they feel obligated for some reason. Whatever it is, come up with a plan to talk about the issues in a calm and loving manner if you can. And also give them some ideas for consumable or no clutter gift ideas. If you're not sure, I'm going to put a link in the show notes to an article I wrote that has a lot of those ideas in it. It's called Five Ways to Cut Down on Toy Clutter. And it also talks more about this topic and goes into more detail. So if you need some more encouragement, check out the show notes for that. And I hope it will help you, Gina, as well as anyone else who is struggling with this. As always, if you have a question on any topic you'd love for me to answer on a future episode, email it to crystal at moneysavingmom.com. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of The Crystal Pain Show. Have a great day. And remember, you can't always choose your circumstances, but you can always choose your attitude. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com. 